And I think the whole idea about getting over it, because I certainly have heard that phrase from family members and from friends, you just have to get over it. And the thing about trauma is you do not get over it. You get through it. So you can try to get over it, which means you're probably going to leapfrog from one emotion over a bunch of other emotions into I'm getting over it, which means you're not in the present. You're either avoiding the past or you're, you know, racing towards the future. But I think that that phrase getting over it mm-hmm. tell is, is the worst phrase possible because it means you're not giving yourself a chance to feel it. Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Welcome, persisters and brothers, to another episode of Persistence You with Lisbeth. Today, I am honored to have Rebecca Chandler with me as guest. Rebecca is with us from the beginning, which is uh, terrific. She's the author of a memoir called It Won't Hurt None, A Story of Courage, Healing, and a Return to Wholeness, where she talks about her struggle uh, with disassociative identity disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. Dissociative identity disorder, for those of you who aren't familiar, back in the day, we called it multiple personality disorder. And if if you're my generation or older, you may have seen a movie called Sybil as an example, but it is a condition that happens when people have often undergone unthinkable traumas. And the way we treat it today is far different than the way that it was depicted necessarily on movies. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be talking to you. It's great. I really appreciate you opening up about this kind of, we don't talk about it a lot when it comes to mental health and trauma. You know, we talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, but we don't often talk about the other. And so can you just tell us first off a little bit about you and how you came to write this book? Yeah, thank you. I am. I've spent the last thirty plus years as a film, TV executive producer, and I've been living and working all over the world. And I am. I thought that I resolved my trauma. I really thought that I. I went to talk therapy a couple of times for like three years at a time. And as far as I was concerned, I had done all the right things. Um, And then in 2017, I had to have a simple procedure done. And it was, uh, I had to get a fibroid removed. Okay. And as a part of that surgery, they also removed my uterus. Okay. And there's something that, something about my womb being removed that immediately launched me back into my early childhood sexual trauma. Oh my And, and I was sexy. not expected. Yeah. And I, my mind started to crumble. My body crumbled into ovarian failure, metabolic syndrome. My whole self just completely shut down. And so out of trying to deal with all of that and not understanding, I was living in Kenya at the time. And I, one of the healers that I worked with to help me resolve what was going on, she said, you know, how do you usually 
express yourself? Like when you get really upset or something, do you paint? Do you draw? I'm like, no, I write. I like to write. I've always liked to write. She said, start writing because you need to start expressing all the stuff that's about to come out. So I did. I started writing and a couple of days later, I had 30,000 words. Obviously, wow. I had a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, right. that's a lot of words. Within- it is. And then I put that book down for a while and then I picked it back up about a year ago. Okay. And there was just something that I needed to do was to write this book about my experience and about healing. Good. Okay. So it wasn't just disassociative identity disorder, but PTSD as well. And I often talk to people, whether it's in coaching or even on the podcast about the benefits of writing. And I have to say it can be, it's not for everyone. Some people, if they don't have the right support and they're in the wrong moment, this can be very detrimental to be left alone with all that comes back to them. But so describe for, for us a little bit about how it became a safe journey to do. Do you think it's because you had therapy? I don't know because I was a writer before I had therapy. So I think that it was always just an outlet for me. Even as a kid, I loved term papers and I loved, I know it's just it's weird. I know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I've always liked to write. I didn't understand that writing could be cathartic until obviously I got older. I do think there's a huge amount of power in writing things out and reading them aloud Mm-hmm. And I usually take the additional step of burning things. So if I've written a note to myself, a note to my parents, a note to my abuser, whatever, I tend to read them out loud. I don't do it anymore, but as part of my healing journey, I would read them out loud and then I would burn it. And there's something in the ceremony of all of that that I found very uh, healing. Okay. I love it. Um, wh- when did you know that it would be a book that you wanted to share with the world? Ooh, yeah. Not until about a year ago. (laughs) And I, and I, I wasn't, I didn't know that I was going to, I didn't know who would read it, who would hear about it, because I I mean, I'm very honest about the fact that the subject matter is complicated for people to read. And I've, I'm surprised, sadly surprised at how many of my close girlfriends can't read my book Mm -hmm. because they have their own Trump trauma, traumatic story. Okay. And they'll be they'll be triggered by it. So it's been interesting to find out who can read it and who can't. I think what's been most amazing are the survivors that have read it and reached out, or the survivors on my social media who, when I talk about how I'm feeling or what's going on, they say things like, you know, I, I don't feel so alone. And that's been the best part of the whole process, I think. I love it. Is you're able to connect with other people and help yeah. open up and share their own stories. Yeah. That's wonderful. So did you have, when you're going through this a year ago, you made the decision like, Hey, I'm going to finish this project and I'm going to publish it. Did you join a critique group or what did you do? You know, who worked with you on this? So I hired a development editor. And Good. so okay. I would write six hours a day, seven days a week. And we met every two weeks and she okay. would read it and we would talk about it. And then I would keep going. And then I, I got through the first draft with her. And so, and then that, that relationship ended the working relationship. And then I found someone else to help me finish the story. I also worked with a ghostwriter who is amazing and she specializes in memoirs and she added a point of view that completely changed the back half of the book. So I thought it was wonderful. 
And I had beta readers. I had several beta readers. Okay. And I thought that was uh, hugely beneficial. And then I had a proper manuscript assessment. So all of those things contributed towards the book that it is today. Uh, and I'm very grateful for all of them. Beautiful. You didn't cut corners. You could have easily said, I'm going to publish this book and boom, it's out on Kindle. But it seems like you took a lot of measures to make sure that it was beneficial, not just for your mental health, but also for the reader. Yeah, I wanted people to finish the book. <laughs> right. right. So I And so I think that um, there's lots of ways to self-publish a book. Certainly, you can just bang it out and post it and KDP if no one else will take it. But it was really important to me that it was a solid piece of writing that people would hang on to. Right. And I know how I feel about self-published books. If it's full of typos and bad writing, I'm out. I won't finish. So I just, I was quite careful about the process. Yeah. Good. Excellent. How has the healing journey been since that incident some years ago where you had the medical issue and that sparked all of the trauma? Like what, were there other things besides talk therapy that helped talk yeah. therapy and writing? Yeah. And I think that every modality has its purpose. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I think talk therapy is very event-based. You talk about what happened or you talk about people. I don't find it particularly permanent in terms of healing, but it gives you tools. I've also used EMDR, Excellent. therapy, hypnotherapy, medita I meditate every day, but the most profound healing that I found was through somatic work by far. And I think that if anyone is curious about that, they should probably read The Body Keeps the Score first mm -hmm. um, and then do some research about somatic work. If you have any kind of physical trauma, I think that's really important to start there. Okay. Excellent. I think that's a good conversation to have simply because there are so many roads to healing Yeah, and so many different ways that we can use, especially with complex uh, or you know long-term trauma. Uh, to make positive results and writing being one of them with the right amount of support in the other areas. I, you know, I just would never send someone off with a pen and pad who hasn't, you know, had access to support and say, you know, write your way better. But on the other hand, it can be so powerful to release our words on paper uh, for so many reasons, because you can look back, even if you decide not to burn it, and just see, you know, yeah. just to see where you've been and how far you've come. And if, if you're stuck. So right. I think it's interesting that you can also go, I'm writing about the same things today that I wrote about a year ago. Why am I stuck in this point? That was, mm -hmm. I think that's very helpful for me to look and see, well, where am I today? And is the conversation in my head, the same conversation or has it evolved? Right. Because if it's not evolving, you may want to consider a different therapeutic approach because I think that every modality serves a purpose and that that purpose does end. So my talk therapy ended, my EMDR had an ending, uh, my somatic work ended. And now I, I talk to a therapist every couple of weeks and it's not necessarily that deep, intense healing that I went through earlier, especially with the somatic work. It's more like touch-ups. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's, I think, it, and I always get tools from these people and I just carry the tools with me, you know, and some I tools kind of get broken or they wear out. So I need new tools. And that's what I love about it. 
And will you continue, do you continue to journal even though you have these other forms of support? I do journal. I do. Um, Even if it's just three sentences, I think that sometimes people put a lot of pressure on themselves and, you know, journaling can be a list of words about how you feel. It could be 10 pages or three, three lines or I, I find that people sometimes set up these rules about things and then they get quite daunted by, well, I can't journal because it's not five pages. Just journal a sentence. That's enough. Right. You know, just take it easy. <laughs> not a competition. I, I talked yeah. to someone once who said just like representative five bulleted words even. Yes. Yeah. That's just something. Yeah. It doesn't have to be literary, you know, amazingness that you look back on. (laughs) (laughs) I just had a really wonderful conversation with someone who's because I tend to write out what I am. And that's part of my meditation and mantra every day. And he just uh, introduced a new approach to me. He's like, also write down what you're not. And I thought that was so powerful. It's enough. It's not, it's to me, it's, it's to say that, let's say I am successful, for example, that's a powerful statement. Sure. But to also add, uh, I am not, um, I am not a loser. I am not an underachiever or I am not lazy. I am successful and I am not lazy. Like adding that I am not to it has made a big difference. I think. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. I really like it. Yeah. And what, can you describe just a little bit more of somatic work? Like give an example of what that would look like. Because I know the book you're talking about, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Yes. But tell a little bit, can you tell just a little bit about what it might look like for a person going through somatic work? Sure. So in my, in my instance, I had multiple personality disorder and my personalities were called five, six, seven, 13. They represented ages of myself. Okay. Um, and so five was when I first started to be assaulted and 13 was when it ended. So I, through a somatic experience, which is a deep meditation that's guided, I met with these personalities. I got to know them. I got to reassure them, listen to them, uh, tell them that they were loved, that they were safe. And I reiterated that over a couple of years. It took a long time for them to trust me enough that my mind no longer thought it was necessary to to keep these identities and to keep their memories away from me, if that makes any sense. Okay. So, So that the somatic work is, for me, was a deep meditation, visualization with someone else in the room. And I would, she'll say, well, where are you now? I'm in the meadow, the meadow on the cover of my book. Okay. Uh, Who's there? Seven's here today. She wants to talk about her anger. Okay, let's talk to her. And it was just a give and take conversation with these entities, these altars. And finally they were reconciled and released. And I no longer have multiple personality disorder, but the thinking behind somatic work is that the trauma starts in the flesh. It's physical before it's mental. Okay. And that if you want to resolve your trauma, significantly resolve it, you need to first start in the flesh and then you need to work on what the mind is doing with it. Because the flesh can't lie. The flesh, if you break your arm in an accident, your body is, I have a broken arm. It can't be, it's not that bad. It's okay. You know, your mind will take the message from your body and will do things with it to protect you. So I was 
uh, assaulted as a child, my body never forgot that, but my mind stored it away, tucked it away, lied about it, you know, converted it into a narrative that they it thought I could survive. Right. And somatic work brings your mind and your body back together so that there's one narrative, one truth, and that it's, you know, working as one unit again. It's really powerful. I love that. Okay. And I think so often women, and I'm, no, I think women and men, we are pressured to get over it when it comes to trauma or yeah. to, we get, feel like we get extra credit or showing up well and putting a great smile on an awful thing. And yet that doesn't do anything or mean anything. It's all still right there. And so yeah. it is important to dig and, and uh, to do that kind of work. So that's a great description. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I think the whole idea about getting over it, because I certainly have heard that phrase from family members and from friends, you just have to get over it. And the thing right. about trauma is you do not get over it. You get right. through it. So you can try to get over it, which means you're probably going to leapfrog from one emotion over a bunch of other emotions into I'm getting over it which means you're not in the present. You're either avoiding the past or you're, you know, racing towards the future. But I think that that phrase getting over it mm -hmm. tell is, is the worst phrase possible because it means you're not giving yourself a chance to feel it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you keep trying to push it away, it's energy, right? Keep trying to push it away. It will keep coming back. It won't stay away, you know? So I think it's uh, the getting over it. That's my least favorite phrase of all. Yeah. And it's just the one that I was raised on. And you know, Me too. a lot of us Me come too. from the bootstraps generation where it's oh, like, yeah. you just put on your big girl pants and you move forward. And it, you know, it's much more complicated than that. So it's neat yeah. to hear you say that you afforded yourself the chance to heal and were open to different modalities and finally wrote about it. When did you know after your book was launched that it really resonated with people? What was the first, like, was there one person in, or a letter in particular that you're like, wow, you know, this, this meant something we connected. It was a stranger, oddly enough. And it was, I didn't, I didn't know this person and they, they, they bought and read the book. And um, my, my book has sold all of like 130 copies, by the way, I'm a self-published author. So it's not been the sexiest <laughs> journey ever yeah it's so hard it's hard. it's really it's really hard and um uh this person reached out and said I've been avoiding therapy my entire life she mm -hmm. had a various stories very similar to mine she's like but I read your book and now I'm ready to start and she's well, in her 50s I'm 53 she's in her 50s and I thought that's the best message I could ever get and I was not expecting that I don't expect people to have that kind of reaction to me because I just I'm just a normal person, right? But it was really meaningful to me that she heard my story. It resonated with her enough that she was gonna try to get help. And I just encouraged her to a resource to try to find help. I thought that was important. That's fantastic. That's really, really, really the best feedback ever. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, so are you back to doing your old job? Uh, so right. yeah, I took a break and now it's about to ramp up again. I'll be going overseas shortly to be on set for a couple of weeks in Nigeria and Egypt. 
And uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. We'll see how that goes. Uh, It's been a while because of COVID and other things. Sure. Very well. Congratulations. You know, exciting. That's a, that's wonderful. Where can people connect with you if they want to know more about your life, your writing, your books, all of that, where, where do you want them to go to connect? Yeah, they can go to my website, RebeccaEChandler.com. Don't forget the E in the middle. And from there, you can find the books. You can find all my social media channels, my blog. It's all in one place. Beautiful. That is fantastic. Congratulations. That's so exciting. I'm really glad to hear that you've reached that point where you're going back to work, but also that people, your book is resonating with them. It's the best compliment ever. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.